Gary Renard Podcast, number 11. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your direct podcast connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe and Your Immortal Reality. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host. And you know, the beauty of it is today, there's no need to switch over to the man. He's he's with us already, even as we speak, the star of our show, Gary Renard. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. I'm How just, you doing? I'm just winging it as I go. I'm, I'm half out of my mind, and the other half I'm not sure about. All right. Uh, you've been a busy guy lately, haven't you been? I've been so busy, I don't even know what I've been doing. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, quite honestly. If anybody looks over Gary's schedule, I mean, it's minimally, it seems to be like every week you're in a different place, and some weeks you're in two or three different places. Uh, and I think you were just, you were recently just out on the bio, I believe, weren't you? I sure was. You know, that schedule that you see, that's, just, that's the part that people see. You know, they don't... They don't see the part that you have to go through to get there. I, I really think that Woody Allen was right. What, what was uh, that? He said that 80% of life is showing up. <laughs> and uh, I really think that's true. I mean, I just went to Lake Charles, Louisiana. Oh. You know, and even they were surprised that I was there. And <laughs> they, uh, they, they sort of expected you. Well, they were expecting me, but they they were just so grateful that I came there because, you know, they say that uh, people, nobody ever goes there. Uh-huh. You know, they never get any speakers in Lake is, Charles. Is, that, is there a reason why? Well, it's a little out of the way, you know, because you got New Orleans, mm-hmm. and uh, which is famous, and then uh, the state capital, you know, Baton Rouge is in between, right? Uh, you know, New Orleans and Lake Charles. So, you know, very few people make the trip. It's a four-hour drive from New Orleans. So. Oh, wow! So it's quite. A, is that kind of in the northern part of Louisiana then? Uh, it's, in, it's in the central part, but you're getting towards Texas now. Okay. In fact, you're actually uh, closer to Houston than you are New Orleans when you're in Lake Charles. Wow! And uh, so, I took you know two flights to get to New Orleans. And uh, then it turned out to be a long drive, but it was a great trip. And uh, I, I always knew about Lake Charles because there's this song that was out that I used to play a long time ago by a group called The Band, mm-hmm. and it was called uh, Up on Cripple Creek. And, oh, and the that, first you know, uh, I know that song, yeah. Yeah, the first lyrics, it goes, uh, when, I got, when I get off of this mountain, you know where I'm going to go, straight down the Mississippi River to the Gulf of Mexico, to Lake Charles, Louisiana, little Bessie girl I once knew. She told me just to come on by if there's anything that she could do. And, you know, so I've always I'm, known I'm about... I'm just getting ready to harmonize with you on the, on the chorus there. Up, up on Cripple Creek, she uh, said... we our guitars right yeah, now. Yeah, we should. But... We'll do that one time. Now everybody will want to hear that. Well, I'm That's okay. Right. I'm up for it. That's right. I hope they remember that both <laughs> you and I played the guitar. <laughs> if not, we'll remind them. And, uh, yeah... I, and, I had uh, forgotten about that reference about Lake Charles. Yeah, that's right. So that's great. Yeah, and it's a great place. The people were wonderful, man. They were so good to me, and I had a great time. It was a long trip. I got back to New Orleans to fly back to the Northeast, and there's a huge storm here. Mm. So I got uh, stuck in New Orleans for an extra day. Not that New Orleans is a bad place to get stuck in. No, I did. no but you're saying the storm was up in the Northeast. You're talking yeah, right. About. So they, we couldn't leave because there was no place to go. How, how is New Orleans doing? I know so many people, all of us around the country, are so you know concerned after, after the hurricane problems of a, more than a year ago. How, how is it holding up now? Well, there's almost like two different New Orleans. You know, you got, uh, I went to the French Quarter, of course, and walked around. I had never been there. I wanted ah. to see the place. And uh, for some reason, they built the French Quarter on a little bit higher ground. Right. You know, so you, you got it up just high enough so it wasn't flooded. Yeah, I, I uh, was there many like, years ago, but uh, boy, the French Quarter is great, so it's good to hear that's intact. I remember hearing that it was not in the, because a lot of New Orleans apparently is actually below sea level. 
That's right. And what happened was a lot of the neighborhoods, you have whole neighborhoods, you know, just blocks and blocks of houses that are abandoned completely, that, uh, you know, you have 100,000 people who never went back. Because they just can't, right? Yeah, and uh, the houses will be condemned. They'll have to be bulldozed. You have just whole sections of the city that are, that were ruined and will never come back uh, until they totally rebuilt. I guess that kind of massive, deep flooding, especially if it lasts for any length of time, houses just can't be fixed. You know, the water logging is just too severe. That's right. Nothing's been done about that. Uh, they did fix up the Superdome so that mm-hmm. uh, the New Orleans Saints could play again. Right. But, and uh, you have a lot of big buildings near the Superdome that are ruined. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. uh but, you know, driving through there in a taxi, you wouldn't know what had happened there a year and a half ago. But if you go to other neighborhoods that were flooded, especially the residential areas, uh, it's it's really devastated. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time for them to come back. And uh, it's going to be hard to get people to invest because they know that those levies aren't going to hold, even though the government says they're fixed. People already know there have been studies that say that they won't hold in a hurricane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... You know, it's like this massive forgiveness lesson going on for uh, New Orleans. And uh, the people in the French Quarter, they're doing pretty good. But even they can't stay open the hours they used to because they can't find the people to work there because so many people left. I guess the people who worked in a lot of those places lived, you know, in many of those areas that you can't live in now. So where where would they go? Yeah. So uh, it's it's definitely different. It's going to be a long process of them uh, coming back. And you know, the funny thing is, I got to Lake Charles and they got devastated by a different hurricane about three weeks after Katrina ah. uh, called Rita. Right. And uh, it, it didn't hit Houston or New Orleans, so nobody cared. And uh, they were even reporting on the news, oh, thank God that this hurricane didn't hit populated areas. <laughs> you know, well, Lake Charles has over 100,000 people. I, you know, I would call that a populated that's, that's area. A little bit of population to worry about there. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, they, they've had a hard time too. It, it's been. Uh, a very hard-hit area, and the people are doing great. Uh, they all they all stuck together. They don't sit around waiting for the government uh, to bail them out. Uh, they described how they survived the hurricanes and helped each other out, and it, it was really inspiring. Uh, you know, to look at how they were able to, to get through this, keep their heads, uh, forgive afterwards, and uh, it, you know, it's just a great trip for me to meet these people because it, it kind of I think it, they inspired me just as much as I was able uh, to inspire them. Yeah, let me ask you that then from uh, from the forgiveness perspective because you're not just seeing just the general population but you're seeing people involved with the course or other metaphysical path where where they're they focus on that type of forgiveness activity that's really as you said an extreme example any any particular stories or things that stand out for you people that you talk to uh i think that what stands out for me the most is uh you know people who don't have any jobs who are still managing uh to hang on and and not be too discouraged and, uh, you know, they're having a difficult time making their, their lives work. And I realized that, uh, you know, if they're able to apply forgiveness in uh, very dire circumstances, then uh, it, it kind of, you know, kicks me in the butt and makes me realize that I haven't got anything to be complaining about just because an airline loses my bag or, you know, I have to you know, hang around two days waiting for a flight or, or something like that. I mean, it's, it's actually nice work if you can get it compared to, uh, you know, what a lot of people have to go through. And uh, true, we all have our own path, we all have our own script that's written, but uh, at the same time, it makes me feel very fortunate uh, that I can, you know, do the things that I'm doing and get to meet these people and, uh, you know, kind of like get to know them better and, and get their experience of the disappearance of the universe and your immortal reality and really get where they're coming from. Uh, it's, uh, it's really been a great experience for me the last three years to meet all these people. 
we're talking about your busy schedule and, and yeah over the last three years it has not only grown i mean you've been real busy for certainly the last two of those three years and it seems like busier than ever you're certainly we'll talk a little bit in a while about where you're what you have coming up which is a unique thing for you but uh, as you said before uh, I, I don't envy you that kind of traveling schedule, my friend. That's a you are a busy guy, and I, God knows how many miles you've put on the airlines in the last couple of years. That's true, and at the same time, uh, I have to admit that I, I feel very good being able to see all these different places and meet all these great people. Uh, you know, it's been a wonderful experience for me. If you told me four years ago that going out and speaking and meeting people uh, would have ended up being one of the happiest times of my life, I wouldn't have believed you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has turned out that way. So I, I feel very great about that. And uh, I'm going to get to go to Europe uh, and tour Europe next month. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, the, pretty much the whole month of May, you'll be uh, over the big pond, as they say, right? That's right. In fact, I'm starting out at Fintorn uh, in Scotland. In Scotland? Scotland. You know I have a particular affinity for Scotland, laddie. You do, eh? I don't know why. The trouble is, after a while, my Scottish accent quickly devolves into my Irish accent, and I don't know why that happens. Because I'm, I'm part Irish, but I, 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 who knows? Maybe I'm a little Scottish. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you could play Scotty on Star Trek. That's right, you know. Yeah, I remember, I, I think I've told this story, but probably not on one of our podcasts. Uh, I'll make it real brief for those who hate to hear me talk, but uh, <laughs> kid, no. Uh, some years ago, I was facilitating a, a course group here in South Florida, and uh, you know how a lot, and you see this all the time, how a lot of times people think that anything spiritual has to be kind of serious, you know, and I'm sure that after a while with you, when people, because you're very funny when you're speaking, they, they kind of gather that it's okay to have some humor blended in, but not everybody gets that memo right up front, and we were doing a, a thing where we were going through random quotes from the course and one of them i came up with and it was the one from the chapter called distortion of miracle impulses and as i got to i said oh this next one is from distortion of miracle impulses and then suddenly i said captain i think i'm getting to some distortion in the miracle impulse engines and there was this ghastly moment of silence this entire group stared at me and then all of a sudden they just all lost it and started cracking up rolling on the floor because it was like is it okay to make fun of something that came out of the <laughs> that was like well sure it is i mean laughter is our job you know so it was so funny so every time i see that one the distortion of miracle impulses that's a, so that's when the holy spirit becomes nicknamed scotty at that point Man, I really get what you're saying, because uh, when my first book, Disappearance, was published by originally by Fearless Books, right. Patrick Miller, this is before Hay House, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Patrick said the same thing. He said, it's like people are afraid to laugh. <laughs> they know? don't know if it's okay. Is it permissible? Yeah, but, and uh, I'll tell you, I think Disappearance has really helped to change that, mm-hmm. or at least I hope so, and uh, my workshops also. And, uh, yeah, it's like that. there's that famous line in A Course in Miracles, Into Eternity, Where All Is One. There crept a tiny mad idea at which the Son of God remembered not to laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, as I've, as I said, you know, it's like people take things so damn seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, then they wonder why the world seems so heavy and, uh, right. so, you know, unfathomable and impenetrable and, you know, so uh, difficult. Well, God, I and, mean. And you can be diligent and, and disciplined about your spiritual progress, about your forgiveness practice. I mean, that it doesn't mean to take... Uh, the, the, that lightly or with a lack of seriousness in that sense, but to be serious, to be grave and down and all that, that's not at all the way. I mean, it's the opposite of the way. That's right. And, uh, you know, we know that Jesus had a good sense of humor uh, <laughs> 2,000 sure. years ago. And uh, the third book that we're working on, uh, Arden and Purser and I, mm-hmm. uh, the focus of which is love, um, you know, I've had more memories of. Uh, 
you know, Jesus and Thomas and Thaddeus and Stephen and Mary and people like that uh, from 2,000 years ago, and we'll be talking about, you know, them in more detail uh, in the third book, and a lot of them will in- involve personal memories, and uh, I'm telling you, you know, people, they knew how to laugh, you know, and they, they didn't take everything so seriously, and this brooding, suffering figure of Jesus that's been given to us uh, by organized religion is, is really not accurate. You always think of the, uh, the, the, I always think it's kind of a hyper solemnity, you know, when you think of, especially, uh, you know, I grew up as a Catholic and going to, so I remember the old Latin mass and it was like, you know, oh, you know, and everything was kind of, when you look at those old medieval things that were written and the paintings that were done and every, well, of course, life was miserable back then. I understand the, the mindset, but they made it the focus and completely lost the joy. And, and even from the very beginning, thousands of years ago, Jesus's message was always one of joy. That's true. And, you know, these the suffering bastards nowadays, you know, you got to watch out for them. <laughs> So one of our uh, one of our more popular segments of our podcast episodes are the questions for Gary, and we have plenty of them. We're going to do our best to get to them. Um, as people may have noticed, uh, we have already done one program that was strictly questions for Gary, and we'll be doing more of those. In fact, it may be that our next episode will be another questions episode where it's just questions. Get through a, get get through a lot of them. But we have Gary on the line, as we said, and we're going to move into a couple of questions right now. Um, some time ago, we had and uh, what's his name again? Again, the fellow that rides the uh, the Rydum lawnmower in Australia, Cole. Remember Cole? Oh yeah, I remember Cole. Yeah. And wasn't he from the Blue Mountains of Australia, or he was from somewhere down there? Yeah, I and, don't know. If, I don't know anyway, what color it was. Someone else. I know you have a lot of fans in Australia, and this question came from Justin, who's also from the Blue Mountains area of Australia, and uh, he said, uh, "Hi, Gene. Here's my question for Gary. I was just wondering if Gary could expand upon or further articulate the form of joining meditation that he described in the first book." Many thanks. That's from Justin. Well, sure, Justin. And uh, first, let me say that I love Australia, and uh, I'm probably going to be coming back to Australia in about a year. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I understand uh, the second book is out there now, uh, Your Immortal Reality. And uh, so that's cool. And I have some friends in Australia, and I'm really looking forward to to coming back. I just think it's a great place. And uh, as far as that meditation is concerned, uh, first of all, we do the meditation on uh, the Sounds True tapes, uh, which are uh, at my website. You know, if you go to the, you know, the CDs, I have a couple of tapes from uh, Sounds True in which we actually do the meditation. I direct it, and uh, then there's a five-minute blank space on the tape where you can actually do the meditation with me. And uh, I think that it's uh, pretty well described. I don't want to get into it too much because I don't want to make it too complicated. You know, you talk about uh, expanding on it. What we really need to do is do it. You know, and what it's about is joining with God, you know, uh, Becoming silent and joining with God. Now, yeah, you have a short preparation period that you go through where, where words are involved, uh, but it's not long. You know, if you look at the way Art and Purser and the way they describe that meditation at the end of the chapter in Disappearance called True Prayer and Abundance, that's uh, on page 350 through 353, and uh, it describes how to do it. And uh, there's this preparation period where words are involved, and uh, it's kind of like the way that Jesus used uh, the Lord's Prayer uh, 2,000 years ago, except the Lord's Prayer in English is not the same as the Lord's Prayer in, in Aramaic. It's 
a lot more mystical and esoteric in uh, Aramaic than it is in English. And, uh, you know, what Jesus would do is he would use that short prayer to get himself in the frame of mind where he would join with God and kind of like become one with God. And it was very brief. Uh, that's why Jesus said 2,000 years ago, do not heap up empty phrases, you know, because in church they'll go on for an hour. You know, and that's not what real prayer was about. Real prayer is silent. And what it's about is joining with God and becoming one with God in this, in this awareness of kind of like perfect oneness. You actually become God and join with God and imagine yourself uh, becoming one with God, and that's real prayer. And the words are just there at the beginning to kind of like prepare you mentally to join with God. But once you join with God, that's it. Uh, you don't uh, have any more words. You're just getting lost in God's love. And in that state of love and perfect spirit, you uh, start to become someone who re-experiences your oneness with God. And then not only is, is it a, a wonderful meditation, I mean, I used to meditate a long time ago. I used to meditate like two hours a day. And uh, I can get as much out of this from five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night as I used to get from two hours worth of meditation. So uh, it's really a great practice. But the part I want to emphasize uh, is simply that what it's really about is not the words, which are just a preparation uh, for it. What it's really about is joining with God and trying to imagine yourself as being perfectly one with God. You know, use a little creative visualization with the light and all that. Become one with it and just get lost in God's love. And if you do that, the rest will take care of itself, including inspiration, which may come later. As you know, the word inspired means in spirit. And... Uh, just let it happen and uh, use it regularly. The more you do it, if you do it twice a day, five minutes a day, it'll work. And uh, you just get used to doing it. The more you practice, the better you get at it. There's no substitute for practice. There's no amount of explanation that will ever substitute for just doing it every day and getting into the habit of it. And then sometimes it's going to work better than other times. You don't have to use a lot of words. Of course, Miracle says at one point that it's possible to join with God in just an instant. So, uh, you know, don't be intimidated. You know, go to God. Don't be afraid of God. Remember that God is perfect love and that you're not going to get anything there except perfect love. So, you know, go for it. Join with God and enjoy it. We've got another question, and uh, this is from someone who had a question for us that we answered in a, in a previous podcast. Uh, a lot of these questions had come in some time ago. As I said, we're getting to them, hopefully, as much as possible in the order that they came in. So these are a couple of these are a little old right now, but but we, we don't want anyone to feel that they've been forgotten. Gary, I think you'll remember our friend Inji from the Netherlands. Remember her? Sure. How yeah, you she doing? Had, she had a question, and I thought it was appropriate because you're going to be, uh, during the month of May coming up, you'll be in Europe and you'll be in the Netherlands. You'll probably get to meet NG in person. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I, I think I won't even do the question. She'll just ask you when she's there with you. No, we'll, we'll get because it's a good question. So let's do this one, another one here from your friend, NG. All right. Hello, Gene and Gary. I have a question about the fact that everything has already happened. And I just want to say this is a great area of question because this comes up so often from so many people. So it's always great to have another opportunity to discuss this. So Inji continues, I thought that when you forgive everything, things will be shifted and the Holy Spirit will use this forgiveness in other lifetimes simultaneously. Doesn't that mean that you can influence your life by practicing forgiveness? Or is it so that I'm supposed to start to forgive in this lifetime, and I suppose read the course in this lifetime, and I can't do anything to change my future because everything has already happened? 
How come that when I'm forgiving, sometimes things seem to get even worse? I would say I'll become happier, but then I get more depressed from all the things that are happening right now. The strangest things are happening. So that's with love from Inji. And uh, yeah, that's an interesting area of question. Uh, could you repeat that? I'm just sure, kidding. no problem. You're yeah, kidding me, kidding. right? Uh, okay. First of all, the focus there is on the wrong place. Okay? The focus should be on the forgiveness. Right? And uh, the results, that's not really up to us. You know, the results is up to the Holy Spirit. That's because the Holy Spirit can see everything. You know, the Holy Spirit can see everything that ever happened. What can we see except this tiny little speck of time and space? Uh, the Holy Spirit does what's best for everybody, not just what's best for us. You know, but what's best for everybody. That's true of guidance from the Holy Spirit. It's also true of the adjustment of time and space. Uh, Jesus says that he will adjust time and space accordingly, but you have to remember that he's not just doing it for you. He's doing it for everybody all at once. And so, you know, what's going to happen is not what just is best for you. What's going to happen is what is best for everybody. You can't depend on things going good just because you're practicing forgiveness. And you look at Jesus at the end of his life, uh, things weren't exactly going good. You know, Not as the world would see it, that's for no. sure. So yeah. you, you can't uh, you know, go by what appears to happen in the world. Now, what you say is true in the sense that sometimes when you practice forgiveness, the Holy Spirit will kind of like uh, collapse time, and part of the way that this will happen is that you may actually switch dimensions of time. So the way that works is uh, you're actually kind of like shifting to a different dimension. You notice that the Course in Miracles says in the first 50 Miracles principles, it says the miracle works in all the dimensions of time. And what can happen sometimes is that through your practice of forgiveness, you can switch to a different dimension of time. You probably wouldn't know it, uh, except that things may seem a little bit different uh, when you wake up in the morning or something. But what's happening is the Holy Spirit is taking the old dimension of time and collapsing it, so it's actually disappearing. The universe is actually disappearing, and uh, this old script is kind of like being erased, you know, like erasing a videotape or something, and what's happened is that you have switched to a, a different dimension of time. It's kind of like uh, if you're watching a DVD, you know, once in a while they'll give you an alternate ending or something. It's like you're switching to uh, a different scenario on the DVD, and uh you know, even then, you have to remember that that's already filmed. You know, that what's going to happen has already been determined. So you're not changing the script. You know, it's like A Course in Miracles says, the script is written. You're not changing the script, but it is possible to switch to a different outcome or a different scenario. But once again, that's not up to us, so it shouldn't be our focus. Our focus should be on the cause, which is in the mind, which is uh, what is supposed to be practicing forgiveness. Our focus doesn't have to be on the effect, which is... Uh, you know, what's out there, what appears to be happening in the world. That's why A Course in Miracles says this is a course in cause and not effect. Mm-hmm. You know, so our focus shouldn't be on the world. Our focus should be on changing our mind about the world, changing our perception of things, and then let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest, which is why, you know, really at the end of forgiveness, what you really want to do is trust the Holy Spirit. And trust is a major characteristic of a teacher of God, as you can see in the uh, Manual for Teachers in A Course in Miracles. So... You know, I wish I could uh, make it more for you about, you know, having this happen or that happen, but that's not what the Course is about. Our job is to forgive, and then uh, all kinds of good things can still happen, including switching dimensions of time, including uh, being guided by the Holy Spirit as to what we should do while we appear to be here, and also just having a better quality of life. So there are all kinds of uh, immediate and practical benefits that come 
as a result of uh, doing forgiveness, not the least of which would be uh, better inner peace, perhaps better health, perhaps, uh, you know, things happening simply because you feel more open to guidance once you clear all that clutter out of your mind, uh, you know, you're more open to inspiration. So, you know, it's possible that all kinds of good things will come about. But once again, the focus is on the forgiveness, not on the results. So it's a, a lot like many of the stories that we hear uh, when people are a lot of inspirational stories. Things have gone very bad. People have gone bankrupt or had health challenges or all sorts of all manner of terrible things happen. And then they will say that later they had no idea. It, it really seemed to lead them to a far better outcome than they could have originally imagined. So this is kind of that element of trust that you're describing where the Holy Spirit from the higher perspective knows the big picture that we can't possibly know from our human perspective. And that's why the element of trust has to be there and knowing that it will work out for our ultimate best as well as that of everyone else yeah i think you put that very well you should uh you should write a book you know i'm working on one i'm just still working on the title oh how about uh i like my title is it uh, the hidden messages in beer i like that one i hope we collaborate on that all right a man's guide to enlightenment the real man's guide to spirituality that's right and we can uh, emphasize manhood and we can uh eat man food <laughs> and we can uh, eat steak and lasagna lasagna that's good man food yes it is pizza with spicy pepperoni all right <laughs> what a terrible place to leave the segment Well, these questions are great, and I know I know so many of our listeners just love this, and uh, we do too. It's a it's a great opportunity to. It's interesting for me, Gary, to hear how you know the a lot of times the subject matter is stuff that you've discussed before that we've talked about together before. But getting an individual's question on it, it's a little different angle. It's almost like that holographic thing again with the many facets of the diamond. You keep examining it from different little perspectives, and then it all becomes clearer and starts to gel. So uh, we have a lot more questions, and in fact, I believe in our next episode. It will be just questions for Gary, so look forward to plenty more where that comes from. But on this episode here, I thought you might want to close things out with a, uh, a final closing thought for us, Gary Renard. Well, I think the thing that we want to remember, and uh, this is something that Arden and Purser really drove home to me in the second book, and I, I had to go back and read it again myself before I really <laughs> uh, could see it more clearly, and I, and I would recommend that uh, anybody who reads the second book read it at least twice. Mm -hmm. What they really did was drive home for me the difference between cause and effect. And uh, it is so tempting for us to put our attention out there on the screen, out there on the effect, and have that be what it's about. Uh, you see that constantly going on now in spirituality, where it's about getting a certain outcome in the world, manifesting some abundance, or you know, using your mind to attract uh, stuff to you. And, uh, you know, that's fine, but it's not spirituality. You know, it's just the self-help movement, uh, and they're trying to make it into spirituality. And uh, what spirituality is about is not about the effect. Real spirituality is about the cause, and uh, the cause is a change of mind and a shift in perception, uh, not simply using thoughts to try to get stuff, but changing your thoughts, changing your mind from uh, the ego's thought of separation to the Holy Spirit's thought of oneness and innocence. And that has to do with changing your perception, changing the way that you look at others, and thus uh, having messages go directly into your own unconscious mind about yourself. And that's something that uh, we'll talk about more 
in the next segment, but I want to emphasize that it's not about the effect. It's not about what you're seeing out there. It's about changing your mind within, and that uh, is a very powerful situation because now you're dealing with the cause. Now you're dealing with the projector instead of the movie. Now you're dealing with the cause instead of the effect. Now you're dealing with something that can have a permanent and lasting impact on your being rather than temporary things that are going to uh, satisfy you only temporarily at best. And uh, then, you know, you get tired of that after a few days and it doesn't satisfy you anymore. Uh, Where what we're talking about is about building something permanent that can satisfy you for eternity. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented by Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of this program is copyright 2007, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. For further information on Gary's best-selling books, The Disappearance of the Universe and Your Immortal Reality, please go to his website, www.garyrenard.com. This is Gene Bogart saying thanks for listening. And remember that no matter what the question, forgiveness is always the answer. We hope you'll join us again next time here on the Gary Renard Podcast. Boy, that's a thing of beauty.